Well, good morning, Milton Bible Church. It's great to be together today. Happy Thanksgiving. Today's the day that we celebrate the goodness of God, the faithfulness of Him in our lives. It's a time traditionally of harvest and of giving and of celebration. And so it's just great to be together this morning. It's great to be thankful as well. It reminds me of Jesus' proclamation of his ministry when he uh, read from the book of Isaiah. In Luke chapter 4, this is what he said as he initiated and and proclaimed uh, his ministry that he would have. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What Jesus was saying is the kingdom of God has come. Now what that scripture does, uh, it tells me two things. The first thing it tells me, it tells me that we have amongst us those who are poor, those who are captive, those who are sick and blind, and those who are oppressed. But it also tells me that Jesus brings liberty, he brings healing, and he brings the favor of God. And that is something to be incredibly thankful for. We're going to begin a new series today called Jesus and Justice. And this is a series that I quite seriously planned over a year ago, not knowing that we would be in a worldwide pandemic and that our culture would be characterized in many ways by social unrest and frustrations. But I believe what we're going to hear over the next three weeks and what we're going to study and look at as a church, I think is going to be so helpful. Next week, we're going to have a conversation with uh, John Corbin. He is a contemporary uh, Christian hip-hop artist. He is a member of our church. He understands what is going on in so many areas. And I'll tell you, he's going to be a great blessing. He and Jordan Harnum are going to have a a conversation that I think is going to be super helpful. And then in a couple of weeks from now, uh, in two weeks from now, uh, Mr. Doug Tuji is going to preach on racial reconciliation, God's answer at the cross. And again, that's going to be a fabulous sermon. And I think it's going to be so helpful for us to contextualize justice in our day through the gospel. And so this morning, we're going to begin this series called Jesus and Justice. And as I said, I think it's going to be so helpful. Do you know what? I believe that something shifted in our world on May the 25th of this year. That was the day that George Perry Floyd Jr., an African-American man, was killed after an arrest, after a store clerk alleged he had passed a counterfeit $20 bill in Minneapolis, Minnesota. A white officer named Derek Chauvin knelt on Floyd's neck for a period of eight minutes and 46 seconds, leading to his death. That day, as I said, something shifted in the fabric of our culture. And racism and systematic injustice came to the forefront of Canadian culture. And today I want to talk, uh, talk about the evil of injustice and how you and I can respond to that. 
One of the scripture passages that I've always loved is Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Micah is a prophet to his people, and he is someone who speaks prophetically into this generation. And this is what he says. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. So let me ask you a question. What does it mean to do justice? What does it mean to do justice? And how should the church respond to injustice? Well, in the wake of injustice, we often find ourselves asking familiar questions like, what can we personally do in the face of the evil of injustice? I mean, seriously, sometimes we feel so helpless. We feel so out of step. We feel so that we don't understand many times some of the things that are going on. How can we show our neighbors the grace and truth of the gospel in the face of such pain and brokenness? Do you know, when we see young people marching on the streets, I believe we should agree with the sentiment of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. that he expressed on September the 27th, 1966 in an interview with ABC journalist uh, Mike Wallace when he said this, Riots are the language of the unheard. Do you know my first reaction when I heard of Mr. Floyd's death was just what I would call great sadness. I mean, when I heard of what happened, uh, without even seeing the video, it was gut-wrenching. It just left me with a horrible sickness inside. That something like this could happen in our day to someone so unnecessarily. And I just came away just with this overwhelming sense of sadness. The Bible calls that sadness lament. And lament is a uniquely Christian action. It's the act of taking our sorrows to God when our pain is tempting us to run away from him. All laments begin with God's people bringing their complaints to the Lord. Then they progress to uh, petitioning God boldly in prayer. And that's why the psalmist says, How long, O Lord, how long must we suffer before you deliver us? It's a psalm of lament. When will God hear our cries for justice and our pleas for his intervention on behalf of the mistreated? Christian lament is grounded in our deep and abiding trust in the character of God. But ultimately, our lament has to drive us from our knees to our feet and into action. Action that faces injustice and seeks to bring gospel-centered justice to what is happening compelled by the love of God to be difference makers in our society. And the Lord reminds us, even in our anger and grief, that we are his ambassadors. And we have been entrusted with the task of being his witnesses, both in word and in deed. And lamenting, though it is biblical, and bringing our broken hearts to God is something entirely appropriate. We cannot stay there. I will tell you, you and I, we cannot stay in the valley of sadness because that is not our home. 
God calls us to respond. He calls us to respond in such a way that it brings healing and hope to the things that are happening around us. So what do we do? Like, what do we do? Where do we go from here? Because we cannot stay in that valley of sadness. Ultimately, our lament must drive us from our knees onto our feet, compelled by love to be difference makers in our communities for Christ. So today I want to talk about Jesus and justice to give some very practical guidance on how you and I can make a difference in the face of injustice. You see, after we've pushed back the distractions of the unproductive responses that some have had, we're left with the sobering reality that this moment really does demand Christians to act. We must all press beyond the overwhelming feeling that we have of inadequacy, and we've got to confront injustice, and we've got to bring justice to, uh, to the situations around us, no matter if there's a difference in geography uh, or a, a, a difference in ethnicity. And while a positive list of proactive steps we can take to address the underlying causes of injustice are endless, what I'd like to do is suggest just four enduring actions that we can take as Christians to bring the love of God to the world in a time where there's great social unrest. So four enduring actions that every believer can take. And here's the first one. The first one is this, to show solidarity with victims of injustice to show solidarity with victims of injustice. Listen to what Proverbs 14 verse 1 says. It says, whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. Do you know what? Throughout scripture, we see that God identifies with the poor and the oppressed, the victim of injustice. There's an identification that God makes with them. Although liberation theologians and social justice theory will misrepresent this truth in an unhealthy and disproportionate manner, what is undeniable is the Bible makes it clear that to bless the poor and the mistreated is to bless God himself. The gospel also makes it clear that Christ expects his followers to identify and to come alongside those who are oppressed and to exhibit the loving characteristics of the Lord to the hurting and the abused. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25, it says this about Moses, that he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And you know what? You and I, we are called to do the same. To simply say that we must avoid the temptation Uh, of looking away when our brothers and sisters who may live in a very different um, uh, geographical or, or ethnic or cultural environment, and to say that that's acceptable is just not good. Historically, you know what? Oftentimes the church has found a way 
to respond to this when it comes to international situations like international missions. I mean, if we find that there is a difficulty, you know, like a hurricane or a famine or this or that in another country, we're often there ready to send missionaries and send, you know, goods over to help them to try and correct these things. But it seems to be much harder to communicate these things in our own backyard. Do you know what? We've got to look with equal concern upon the pain of others who are geographically near us and listen to their stories. When Christ followers ignore those who live under the weight of, our, uh, of injustice, even in our indigenous communities, we ensure that that evil and victimization will perpetuate and continue. Understand that. Pastor Chris Brooks is an African-American pastor in a multicultural church of over 9,000 members in the Detroit area. And this is what he said. The greatest way to end systematic injustice is surprisingly simple. It is for Christians to model the character of God by showing solidarity with those whose stories our society so often dismisses. Personally, I think he nails it. He knows exactly what he's talking about. And I think that's such a great quote and so helpful to all of us. Listen, if you're part of Milton Bible Church, can you, can you do me this favor? Stop saying all lives matter. Stop saying all lives matter. Do all lives matter? Absolutely. We totally and we completely agree with that statement. But it's counterproductive when really what we want to do during this time is focused and stand beside and come along those who are hurting and those who are oppressed and those who are the victims of injustice during this day. It's not helpful to say those words. We want to stand beside our brothers and sisters in this time of unrest and in their pain. Do you know what? Demonstrating this type of solidarity becomes really practical. And it becomes uncomplicated when it's shown primarily through friendship and hospitality. By opening our hearts and our homes and entering loving relationships within diverse groups, we're able to hear their stories, we're able to feel their pain, and oftentimes we're able to offer them the hope of Christ. Listen, when you shed tears with a friend, when they encounter injustice that we ourselves are not exposed, do you know what it does? It opens the door for the love of God to be shed with power in their lives. And by opening our hearts and homes and entering love and relationships with diverse groups of people, we can hear their stories, we can feel their pain, and we can offer them the hope that is in Jesus Christ. So that's the first thing you can do. The second thing you can do is to speak up. Speak up. Proverbs chapter 3, uh, verses 8, and thir- sorry, Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9 says this. It commands us, to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. 
defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Do you know what? This might be the simplest thing of all that we can do. But you know what? Oftentimes it's the hardest. Do you know why it's the hardest? It's hard for us sometimes to speak up on behalf of those who are suffering injustice. And I'll tell you why. It's because you're taking a risk. I mean, it is risky. Is it not convenient to use our voices and our social platforms on behalf of the unborn those who are trapped in human trafficking and victims of domestic violence, sexism, racism, or some form of brutality? What if our friends don't agree or they don't understand why we're speaking out or the way we're speaking out? What if the people that we grew up with and the things that we were taught when we were younger are no longer congruent with what we're saying? There's a possibility of alienating others around us, isn't there? I mean, there's risk in that. What does it mean when we break with narrative that we learned when we were young? When we speak up because it causes us to take that risk of losing social acceptance within our social group. You see, this is exactly what makes doing justice so difficult. It requires risk. However, do you know what? Nothing is more healing than when we speak up on behalf of those who are in need. There's nothing more healing than those who are victims of injustice to hear our voice and to know that we stand beside them. And it brings strength and healing to their hearts to know that we have a oneness with them and love them. Do you know how powerful that is to speak up? Do you know what? If you are a Facebook friend of mine, and I have hundreds, um, you are a sorely disappointed person because I rarely ever post anything. In fact, 2020 has been a huge year for me. I have posted five times. That's it, five times. The last time I posted something was with the birth of our first grandchild. That was just you know, a week or so ago. The time I posted before that was in August when my father died. You understand the things that are important in my life enough to post on Facebook and get involved in social media. It's not my thing. But you know what? After Mr. George Floyd died, my heart and my conscience and my walk with the, the father screamed, you must speak at this time. And so I posted on my Facebook page. You can go back and you, you can look at it. It was a repost of something that a pastor uh, in uh, an African pastor who actually leads a great church in London, England posted. His name's Tapi Colioso. And he responded to it and he said it in such a way that it was so much better than anything that I could say. But it completely reflected my heart for what was needed to say in these times. Do you know at Milton Bible Church, our elders got together and we posted something that was a very clear statement in opposition to the evil of systematic racism within our day. 
And you know what? I was so proud of our leadership at Milton Bible Church, so proud of our elders for making this clear, this concise, and this powerful statement. It, w- it was courageous, and it was the right thing to do. Do you know Dr. Martin Luther King famously said this? He said, in the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. Do you know, we live in extraordinary times that are marked by the power of social media platforms, and they enable us to bring light and express things that grieve the heart of God. And as stewards of God's grace, we must leverage these platforms to fight all injustice. So I encourage you, to use social media as a tool for good. We can also speak up by correcting the inappropriate thinking of our family and our friends. They may not listen to those who are experiencing injustice directly, but you know what? We can speak truth even into people's lives and hearts during this Thanksgiving weekend. We need to speak up. The third thing that we can do is we can support people and projects that are making a difference. Do you know what? In 1 John 3, 17, it states this, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? You know, although we may have a burden to see a form of injustice, and it doesn't mean that we feel like we're competent or we have um, the skills or we have the resume to actually mount a fight against something that we know is incredibly wrong. And uh, sometimes that leaves us in a place where we feel weak and defenseless and kind of useless in these things. But you know what we can do? We can praise God because we can partner with people who are skilled, who are credentialed, who are able to move things forward in a way to fight the injustices within our community and within the world. By investing our generosity into the people and projects that are making a difference, we can join the fight against injustice. When we use our resources to support those who are addressing injustices in our community, We demonstrate the love of Christ. And likewise, you know what? When we withhold our resources, we're withholding the love of God. And that's exactly what John is saying in 1 John 3, 17. Do you know what? In this last year at Mountain Bible Church, we have given away more money than we have ever given away in our history. We've given it away both in Milton and around the world. In Milton, we have given away over $20,000 just in the last months to different organizations and communities that are on the front lines. You saw that video that was shown in which we gave uh, three organizations thousands of dollars, but also we've given away uh, thousands of dollars to places like the Halton Women's Shelter, which stands beside women who are abused and who are fleeing, oftentimes very violent domestic situations. And we, through them, will stand beside those women and say, this is wrong. And we can have a part in making things right and bringing healing to broken lives. We've given thousands of dollars to individuals, to those in need, more than we have ever given before. 
In, you know, in Zimbabwe alone, we have sent over $15,000 to meet the needs in that country, including finances to help 50 families put food on their table for months in that country that has been decimated by oppression, by injustice, and now by this COVID-19 pandemic. We have been able to come alongside our dear brother, Pastor Chris Maposa, and, and through him, um, we have been able to uh, give, uh, give thousands of dollars worth of food to over 50 families um, where to put food on the table in this time of crisis. I will tell you something. You know, Zimbabwe is facing the greatest time of, of upheaval in, in, their, in their existence. Once it was called the breadbasket of Africa. And now people are starving and, and unable to make out a living. In fact, there is so much oppression by the, by the civil government that they've borrowed a term in their cause for, for, for justice from North America. And do you know what that term is? Do you know what that phrase is? Zimbabwe lives matter. Zimbabwe lives matter. Such is the violence that is being exacted against so many there. We've been able to help families that they call child-led families. And you know what a child-led family is? A child-led family is a family where there are no parents, but they're probably led by a teenager. A teenager whose parents have died because of the AIDS, oftentimes because of the AIDS pandemic. Um, that still is an issue in Africa, even though we don't hear much about it anymore. We have missionaries in Canada we have people around the world that we are working with to seek to bring justice to the broken. This is an unprecedented time in giving for Milton Bible Church. And that doesn't include the many individual gifts that we've given. What I want you to understand is this. I want you to understand it takes more than passion to fix a problem. Remember, God has blessed us so that we can bless others. And you may not be called by God to become an expert in overturning legislation, or, uh, a or you may not be able to be a domestic abuse counselor or an advocate for victims of brutality, but you can invest in those who are called to serve God in those areas. So let's use our generosity as a weapon of love in the hand of God to fight injustice in our community and around the world. The fourth, fourth thing that you can do, the fourth thing that you can do is to share the gospel. And this is the most important one of all. We have saved the best to last. This is by far the most important action that we can take as disciples of Christ. We can never forget that the ultimate answer to the world's, world's cries for justice is the cross of Christ. And in this world, the best that people can often hope for in the legal justice system is oftentimes it can leave them feeling, you know, bitter and empty and, and, and vulnerable to <clears throat> continued abuse. 
And do you know what? The outlook for the offender is bleak. Because once the public knows the identities of those who have been the perpetrators of violence, they face a tidal wave of retaliation and condemnation. But you know what? It is at the cross where justice, mercy, and forgiveness meet. You see, people everywhere desperately need Jesus. This is true for both the victims and the victimizers of injustice. And for Mr. George Floyd and for the police who unjustifiably killed him. The good news of the gospel is this. There is room for everyone at the foot of the cross. The people of our communities need the healing and redemption that is found in Christ alone. And we are witnesses of that life-transforming, heart-healing grace. But what good is a witness that does not speak? The gospel is to be shared. And we've got to share it with our friends, with our spouses, with our families, with our neighbors. Yes, even our enemies. Praise the Lord that while we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. You see, we live in a time when people of color have had their fears and their frustrations reignited. And good law enforcement agents representing the vast majority of police officers across our country, they have had their reputations and their profession bruised because of the unjust actions of a few bad ones. And young people today feel helpless. But understand this, we are not helpless as Christians, and we are not hopeless as Christians. We have the opportunity to do justice. So pick it up. Do one of these four things. Show solidarity for those who've been victims of injustice. Speak up. Speak up and do not be silent when the time calls for it. And use social media platforms to address things that need to be addressed. Support people and projects that make a difference. And then lastly, share the gospel. The gospel of of Christ is so powerful. It is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. So let's proclaim it with boldness and with faithfulness until Christ returns. And may captives be set free. May the blind be healed. May sinners be saved. And may justice roll down like a river. And may we give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I'm so excited about the future and what all that God has for us as a church and all that God is doing in our midst. It's just a beginning. It's just a beginning. The kingdom of God is come. And we are so excited about what will happen in these days as the church moves forward in the power of the Holy Spirit. So praise God. Happy Thanksgiving. Have a great weekend. God bless.